0: Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahneman.
1: Thanks, Justin. Thanks, and Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahneman on the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the beverage space New brand. Can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. Sanzo Sparkling Water on the podcast today is Sandro Rocco. And Sandro, it's so great to have you on the podcast, man. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's super exciting to be here.
1: I know. I'm. I'm glad you're here too. Sandro is the founder and CEO of Sanzo, which we're going to jump into in a few minutes. Um, Before that, though, man, you got to share a little bit of your background. Like, you haven't always been in the startup space. You've had some different career moves and roles and whatnot beforehand. But you've had a little. You kind of played around the space. So share a little bit about your story before launching the company.
2: Yeah, of course. And again, thank you so much for having me. It's crazy. I'm. Uh, 33, turning 30, 34 next month. And so, um, dude, like happy br-
0: early birthday.
2: Is, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, what I like to tell folks is, you know, my, I spent, I feel like the greater part of my 20s and maybe even my early 30s just kind of confused. I uh, had a bit of a, a, a different kind of career path than I think most folks. So um, when I graduated college, it was with a degree in chemical engineering, of all things.
1: I'm um, an industrial engineer. But Kimmy, oh, hey, I was right. always, dude, I was always blown away. Kimmy, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could have made it there, but industrial, I could do. <laughs> uh,
2: I was not a great chemist, so I would say I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment right. to, the, the so class, impressive. to my classmates. <laughs> right. to okay. my classmates. Great. Um, I, I think I was kind of posing, but yeah, I mean, after college, <laughs> nice. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked for three years at a nuclear power plant as an engineer, kind of not at all touching beverages, but um,
1: <laughs> And Nuclear then, uh, power plant. Wow, that's definitely not consumer products at all.
2: <laughs> not even close. And we'll we'll get a little closer to it in my next role, but not quite there yet, which is yeah, after three years there, I did two roles in banking. Um I worked on the trading floor of JP Morgan. Very cool. Um, and then caught the startup bug. And so for the five years before starting this brand, um, I was the head of growth and then chief of staff at a unfortunately now um, defunct company called Bombfell, which was an online personal styling service for men, basically like a a, a monthly clothing subscription box um, concept, Uh, and really learned there that, wow, like building companies and brands was something that I had such an interest in. And so um, here we are today, launched Sanzo uh, just a little over two years ago. Uh, That was July 2019. And uh, here we
1: are. <laughs> I love it, man. That's so great. And you know, for those listening, wondering if you can make a shift, right? You're, you know, you, this is the time to do it. I mean, never better time than now. As you're thinking about your mm. big idea. I mean, look, chemical engineer working on the trading floor for amazing bank institution, and then goes and starts a beverage brand. I mean, you know, it, if you're passionate about it, you can do it. And we're going to hear all about um, um, the story today from Sandro. So let's do this. So. Where did the idea even come from? Like, how did you decide? Hey, I'm going to go start this first Asian-inspired sparkling water brand. Yeah, to be honest,
2: I didn't really have a an inkling of like, ooh, I really want to start a beverage. Um, it was <laughs> just kind of a manifestation of things that I felt like I had been experiencing in my own life and as a consumer. And so, essentially, in 2018, uh, you know, I was working at that clothing startup, and oh my gosh, I felt like Every uh, every spot of our office was occupied by Lacroix or bubbly or some other yeah. fizzy water brand, and that was like the summer of sparkling water. Um, right.
1: it was. It was
2: kind of nutty, <laughs> and I remember even myself changing a lot of my uh, consumption habits, like over to sparkling water from you know just general water or just like other beverages. Um, and at the same time, so I lived in you know I live in New York City, and. I felt like what I was noticing was also like what I call like like a bridging of cultures, East and West, essentially, you know, crazy rich Asians was the number one film at the box (laughs) office. Um, I was, I'm Filipino American, but like, this is probably, I'd say over the last five to seven years, like the first time that I've really been kind of deep diving a little, like a bit more into my own, uh, cultural like identity. Um, and then even like – I think the biggest thing I was say is like I was noticing in, in – in, in really in like the consumer space. So r- the restaurants I was going out to, was like, oh my gosh, like this Italian or French-inspired restaurant in the East or West Village was now changing into like a regional Chinese um, uh, restaurant or Korean. Um, you know, uh, K-pop was like really hitting a fever pitch. Uh, you were seeing a lot of really successful Korean and Japanese like skincare brands, and it was just like, huh, this like this like a really interesting thing, and I was really just wondering whether there was something I could contribute to the space, and ultimately. I started tinkering around and like, you know, the way I like to describe it is like, you know, when folks either go on, I don't know, like a Reddit or a YouTube rabbit hole, and all of a sudden like three hours in, you're like, how the heck did I end up here?
1: (laughs) I have to say, not to be sidebar, but like earlier today I watched one YouTube video and I was so taken by it and all of a sudden I had watched six, like, you know what I mean? Like, anyway, sorry.
2: No. Total I, I mean, sidebar. That, that's me too. That's me too. And so when folks ask me like how I came up with the idea for Sanzo, it's kind of like that. Like I woke up six like like six videos later, and I was just right. like, "Huh, okay. Here's a concept that we should maybe tinker around with." Um, you know, it wasn't anything. I mean, I, I, the way I'd, like describe it is, it, it, it was kind of like a a months long realization that ultimately I was like, okay, no, we actually should like, yeah, the different pieces of the puzzle came together. And at one point I was like, okay, maybe let's actually start diving into this as like at least like a creative pursuit, if not like an actual brand.
1: Totally. Why not? Right? Start doing some research, figuring out if it's a real viable opportunity. So where did you start?
2: Uh, I think I, so. I started the way that I think most other food and beverage entrepreneurs start, which is in my kitchen, uh, in my home. Kitchen. In your kitchen, I yeah. love it.
1: I do. I, I've had some great guests on that share that same story. Okay, you're in the kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> and literally the ingredients.
2: I mean, it was a 12 pack of Canada Dry sparkling water or seltzer water, uh, purees that I ordered off of Amazon. And a kitchen scale that I ordered off of Amazon for like fifteen bucks. Perfect. And essentially, that, some measuring cups that I had just in my kitchen, um, and a Google sheet was the genesis of recipe formulation and testing. Oh my (laughs)
1: gosh! Okay, so did you already have an idea of flavor or not? You know, like how did you like vet what your interests were and then narrow it down?
2: Yeah, I mean, I will say the the thesis of hey, there is a there is room for Asian flavors in this category was I think the main thesis. And for me it was, hey, all of these brands that are out there, you know, the, the that were in that fridge in, my, in in our tech office were awesome, but they seem to hit on just the same lemon, lime, grapefruit types of flavors. And for me, I was like, well, hey, we should look at the other hemisphere representing literally 60% of the world's population and like i think the reason why i decided to ultimately pursue the brand was because i felt like you know there was a real like cultural shift like generational shift happening in america that we could take you know that we could take advantage of so you know, the so the first part which you know is obviously still remain our cornerstone today is you know that 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 uh asian flavors and sparkling water was something to dive into uh, you know for sure uh where it went from there was just yeah playing like tinkering around in the kitchen putting like, putting stuff together and seeing what worked from a taste perspective and also like i guess cost right so it's like you can't totally. really launch uh you know a brand that costs ten dollars to make and charge two bucks for it on the shelf right so it's like that 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 wouldn't be a very good business um so totally. the whole way up which just was thinking about you know what actually works in a um in a market
1: I love it so you're playing in the kitchen trying to run flavors ordered a bunch of parts pieces offline got some recipes online etc when did it go from you know uh you know top of the countertop and stove to something that was Something you would share with somebody else,
2: <laughs> if that makes mm, sense. <laughs> no, absolutely, and that was still, uh, oh my gosh, that was a fun part because I was also learning how to safely commercialize a beverage at the time because it's right, so, you know, food, you had worked in the food product. and beverage
1: space before, dude. Right? I mean, this is all new.
2: Absolutely, and and rule number one is it's almost like a Hippocratic oath of like do no harm. Right? Like, go right. give someone a product that right. is going Please. to mess Please them know. up. Right? Right. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I did as all good folks do, and it's I turned to my friends and I was like, Hey, try this um, and hopefully you don't get sick. you uh, right. better ho- hopefully it tastes good. And so that's really you know, it was really to me the initial validation I mean any and, and I think this is a big thing that a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs go through and that I would coach folks on is like no matter what, you have to get the idea out of your head and into folks' hands. Like you need to figure out if people want it, if people like it. Exactly. And then I think the next step from that is, are people willing to pay for it? Because right. the la- that last part is the difference between a hobby and a business.
1: Oh, dude, that's like the quote of all quotes. I mean, so true, right? You can love it and be excited about it, but nobody else wants it. Then what? Doesn't you know? matter. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell us how that went.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, fortunately, at least the first batch of our column c which is uh if, you, if folks haven't had it before imagine a lime and an orange having a little baby together
1: um, <laughs> i was gonna ask what that meant mean. yeah thank you
2: <laughs> yeah no worries and like if folks haven't had it, i mean we get a lot of comps to it's basically sprite but it's but if it was if it was made with a real fruit and actually like no sugar and no in sugar it, that's right. Um, because it's kind of like a hybrid, yeah, like lemony, limey, orange thing, but in one fruit. So that's cool. um, You know, we often we often get that comparison, and fortunately, that one is actually still the same formulation that um, you know what we have in market is the same one that I came up with in my in my kitchen, which wow. is kind of fun. That's kind of cool. Um, that's very yeah, cool. Yeah, the other the other the other two we learned, hey, we needed to actually bring on different suppliers. Um, the product was good, but could be made better. Um, if we brought on some higher quality suppliers and so uh yeah but i, I would i would say we got lucky at the within the first you know one to three iterations depending on the on the flavor um we had a pretty captive audience. And so when I just, dis- when, you know, my friends would tell me, okay, hey, I'll, I'm willing to buy the product. It was like, okay, let me at least, the next level of validation for me was, will a stranger buy this? Right, um,
1: not a friends you know, and your friends, family yeah, member, right? Yeah, everyone else would yeah, be like, yeah, yeah I'll will. try that, so
2: good. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then we started, you know, form, you know, put, put, you know I, I, essentially for my apartment, Going to farmers markets and uh, little independent grocery stores, Very and cool. just either selling it individually to consumers, uh, and literally having them buy the product off of me, or having those buyers, you know, buy into the brand, put it on shelf, and we would measure sales and velocity. See. Fortunately, that looked good.
1: Okay, so we skipped over one little part, and that is, like, yeah, h- h- did you can it then, and did you have to use like a pe- co-packer? Like, how did you, again, go? You know, it's one thing to make a couple. Cups at home, <laughs> a gallon. Yep. But I mean, you're fill, filling twelve ounce cans. Or did you, how did you sort that out and figure that out?
2: Yeah. So the first several, the first two batches were actually done in glass bottles.
1: Perfect. That's because that makes industry. it easy, right?
2: <laughs> it's actually yeah, it's the cheapest thing to get off the ground. No um, doubt. You know, we knew eventually we'd want to get to cans, and that's what a lot of other folks were doing. But um, you know, bottles were and I I I self financed the business to start, and Perfect. so as someone who's kind of watching over every dollar. This was the easiest way to test. Got but once it. we went into markets in earnest, you know, and then yeah, I apologize for kind of skipping over that part. No, so selling dude, that's my job to those, keep
1: us on on the story.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I pre- I, not, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, when we get when we're starting to get into grocery stores and whatnot, we knew okay that was the time to really invest in the like the, the the manufacturer who would do the cans
1: okay and how did you figure that out Right, like, remember you're like for those that are listening they're like wait you know jp morgan you know another startup like how did you figure out how to find a manufacturer how to f- figure out somebody to take your idea and put it in cans
2: yeah so none of the experiences that i talked about right. as, Helped as, as, you with as that. nice <laughs> as they were would right. ever help you with that and the biggest thing that I would say, and this is especially for aspiring entrepreneurs, and I think especially in food and beverage, is the food and beverage industry is actually incredibly supportive. Um, what I would do was- Totally agree, I, I took, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I took a shot on this, not knowing if it, this is going to happen, but what I would do is I would go to these independent grocery stores and knowing that a lot of the brands on those shelves were smaller and emerging and likely uh, you know formulated by folks in you know maybe in my circumstance um, i would literally cold instagram dm cold email or cold linkedin message the founders of those of those brands and you know not everyone got back to me right. but you only need a couple to kind of get to Totally ball
1: totally and people and- are willing to re- and say here you should work with this person or i worked with this company right i mean Very open to sharing.
2: Exactly. So that was it. And I would actually tell folks, if you are just Googling things online, unfortunately, the folks who are more likely to get back to you are more likely to not give you the best deal, so like for a, for a lot of reasons, it's better to try to go from you know within the industry and, and and move out. And so you know, I think especially in a day like today, that a lot of brands are being discovered digitally. Um, you know, for yep. folks who may not be listening in New York or the major coasts, you know, that strategy could still be true. You know, you could still totally. look up brand, emerging brands on Instagram or even on Amazon, like, you know, some of the, uh, you, you, there's a lot of times you, could, you can kind of search for the newest brands, and you can still do that. And so this, this doesn't have to be a New York City or right. LA strategy. Folks no. Folks can do it from anywhere.
1: I mean, but the reality though is if you're launching a new beverage, for example, you got you, like the easiest market to test and get accesses and you want is New York or LA because of the Easily. size yes. of the market and you see, that's totally. why you see so many new brands that launch there. Okay. So um, fast forward a bit. So um, you've got, product in, in at farmers markets, you're you're talking to the onesie twosie buyers at, at stores and whatnot. When did it become like something? In other words, when did you know I think we have something here? Like this is I think we this is going to become more than the hobby.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd already at this point kind of left my job and had about like 20 to 30 accounts under my belt. Um but where I think it started getting interesting started, and then we'll kind of go through this part, was we got pretty early on um, authorized for, at least authorized for 50 Whole Foods stores in the New York Tri-State area. That's awesome, area. dude. That's great. Yeah. I mean, in between that was a pandemic. Right. Um, and so that was, yeah, and so we'll that talk was, about that in a minute. <laughs> so that was a little wacky, um, obviously, but you know, we launched our first 50 Whole Foods stores in September of 2020, and... You know what a lot of folks in the space will talk in the beverages will talk about how, you know, it's obviously a huge thing to even get authorized in totally, Whole Foods totally. and especially in the in, in the New York City tri-state area where it's like the most competitive region in the country. Um, the bigger and so for me like that, I kind of knew that like that that, that 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 but that but I also knew that that was only maybe a third of the story. The other two thirds are how you execute. Basically, it, it's getting not product just on the shelf but off the shelf, and. Where I thought this was starting to get interesting was, ooh, okay. Our initial reads on sales velocities were significantly stronger than than what you typically see for early stage beverage companies, and we were even getting that feedback from some key sales advisors we had on the team, even from the buyer himself. Sure. Um, And this will kind of have us going back in time a little bit, but we think that's because, yeah. So we launched in September in September 2020. um, You. When the pandemic really hit, you know, from March through then, we were really able to generate a lot of trial, a lot of sales for folks who were sheltered in place. And we think that that really helped develop that early baseline of sales velocity in September.
1: That's interesting. And did you already have enough inventory? Like, Like, you know, thinking about 50 stores, if they take, you know, an initial order of I don't know how many cases of how many flavors, did you already have that? Or did you have to make to order
2: we just barely had enough because we were scaling because the, the, yeah, the C exactly. business yeah. was scaling but then we quickly at that time oh gosh that was like a two month period of having to move uh, hackers i bet um, <laughs> oh
1: my gosh we
2: fortunately because we knew we had the authorization were able to raise some money um, because funding it myself was just I was getting yeah, to the end some of point. my own yeah. bank accounts
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not cheap right no. I mean it's one thing it's it, you you're got paying co-packers and you're paying for, to make it produced and manufactured you got inventory sitting over here on the floor you got to pay for where it's stored unless you're putting it in your house I mean someone's got to deliver it to those 50 stores
2: Exactly. And for a while, I was trying to be uh, right, the, the delivery guy, the inventory <laughs> right. and all that. Yeah, I'm sure. With well, the Whole Foods kind of business, you kind of have to take it a little bit more seriously. So, um, so yeah. What, what a great uh, problem.
1: Okay. So, and we're, you know, the, by the way, for those listening, you know, we're only talking a couple months ago, uh, you know, on the initial launch. So, okay. So, once that got started, did you already have all three flavors or did you only like, how many flavors did you have then?
2: We did. All three flavors were in market, and they're still the core line we have today.
1: Perfect. And then, so what's happened since? And by the way, it's mango, calamansi, is it lychee? Yep.
2: You know the. Uh, I'll say global audiences are split on the pronunciation of oh, either I love lychee it. or lychee. <laughs> lychee.
1: Uh, Explain I it though. I
2: <laughs> say lychee. I say lychee. I don't even know the full differences. I think. I think it's a lot of it originates from potentially where. So it's it's a it's a fruit that originated in China, and I think depending on you on the dialect that you grew up with, you might pronounce it one way versus the other. Got it. Um, I just like the first time I ever interacted with the you know, with with the fruit in a candy form. Ooh. I was just introduced to it as a, as lychee, so I was like, I'll okay, like we'll lychee, call it lychee. all right,
1: we'll call it lychee. Um, I love the packaging, by yeah. the way. Um, Thank you. Any top seller so far of the three, or are they like how how are they looking in terms of performance? It changes.
2: It changes by channel. But right now, lychee is the like, it ekes out as number one, and then de- definitely depending on the channel, uh, it kind of varies between the other two flavors. And ultimately, it's pretty. It's, it, ends, it, like, it ends up being a wash. Like it ends up being. Pretty Got it.
1: Yeah, so you're yeah. also selling direct to consumer in addition to retail, which is great. Um, how do you approach retail? Not you know, you had that initial, I'd say, pretty sizable win, right? Fifty stores. How do you think about more broadly rollouts and things like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're trying to be. Really intentional with our distribution footprint. Um, we know that beverage is very expensive as a whole uh, industry, and where folks can get themselves into a lot of trouble is going too wide, too fast. Um, you know, and so just our take is we'd really prefer to build, you know, an inch wide but a mile deep in the key markets and where we think we're going to be successful. And a lot of that is actually driven by our direct consumer business, which gives us the insights of where customers want. To buy us. Um, And so marrying the two has been a really, uh, I think, you know, effective and like efficient strategy for us because we are a relatively capital efficient beverage for the size that we're in. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of our growth has come from actually just building more depth.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, for those listening that are in CPG, you know, the biggest challenge is when you sell through retailers, you don't get consumer data. You have your direct-to-consumer platform, you get one-to-one data. So um, who is your... Sandra, who is your buyer? Like your consumer? Who's who's drinking your product? Do you have a sense for the type of person that's interested in your brand?
2: Yeah, so it, it's two personas. So the first one, which is a bit probably more obvious, is the Asian American consumer that you know we've seen is very underserved in sure. this market. So seven percent of the United States population, roughly twenty-five million folks in the country, um, and the 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 fastest growing and wealthiest uh, ethnic. Demographic in the United States, also the highest brand indexers, meaning they're the most they're the most likely to promote brands if they resonate well, and so um, all of those have really for uh, you know for a company that's like you know like us you know sub ten million dollar brand, um, really effective and efficient way to start uh, you know building an audience. But the other audience, and this is where we're having uh, I think even you know, when we look long term. Is what we're really excited about is the 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 general American consumer who is both trading away from full calorie and even like diet sodas, so like a Coca Cola or a Diet Coke, and rotating into sparkling water, which has had a a a really like a a decade long growth cycle, but even in the last five years has grown even even more exponentially. You know, we're hitting now a, a, a time in market, you know, where that category is four to five billion dollars growing double digits every year but where folks are looking for a little bit more differentiation because if you look at the, the sparkling water category it yeah kind of going back to an earlier point it kind of is the same lemon lime grapefruit flavors with maybe a different design on the can Sure, so what we're offering is you know that kind of point of differentiation um there to that audience as well
1: interesting i love it And so great that you know you're your personas and whatnot. I'm so impressed. Um, so, looking forward, um, next six to twelve months, what are the focuses in terms of growth? How do you build build brand awareness? How do you get people to learn about Sanzo besides coming on our podcast? <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so, right. uh, yeah. I mean, this is effective. This is great. getting out of the about audience it. is amazing. Totally. Um, but probably the most exciting thing that we are in the middle of right now is a collaboration with Marvel Studios oh, um, for the. Uh,
0: I
1: love Marvel.
2: <laughs> there you go well hopefully I don't know how, how big you, you are into it but on Huge. September 3rd yeah. in theaters only is the it will be the theatrical release of Shang-Chi and the I Legend know. of the Ten Rings of course on my, my calendar
1: it's <laughs>
2: there you go. And so for, for, for folks who aren't aware, it is the first ever Marvel superhero and cast that is Asian-American – and, and well, the first ever Marvel superhero superhero that is of Asian-American descent and the first ever largely Asian and AAPI cast. Um, so, we cool. Have
1: is, so cool. So cool. And this
2: is a lo- little bit of a shameless plug, but if folks go to Drink drinksanzo, it's drinksanzo.com yep, slash, <gasps> slash Marvel. Oh, I, I was we, on
1: your we website. Ha- okay, hang on. So what is it? Drinksanzo.com. Yeah
2: com slash marvel
1: oh my god i'm so excited then what happens i'm, I'm about to hit it here we go oh yeah, okay keep going We
2: have a limited edition can that we have co-branded with marvel featuring the four main actors oh that's so the cool. main actor is the lychee, it's the lychee
1: from, it's the lychee flavor berry
2: that's right it's the lychee flavor with four the four main characters yeah
1: oh that's pretty cool very, the very two cool. that
2: most folk the two folks that your audience may be aware of. Um, for sure the, well hopefully oh the number one one is aquafina <laughs>
1: of course um, yeah.
2: And then the other one, she's the side, her character is the sidekick to the main actor, Simu Lu, who plays Shang-Chi. And his main thing is if your audience or you watch Kim's Convenience, um, he was one of the main actors on that, on that, on that Netflix show. So
1: great. Yeah. And, and Kate, her name, Aquafina is not spelled like the water, by the way, it's Awk, A-W-K-Wafina. Not that you guys <laughs> care. If you're, Mar- if you're Marvel people, you'll love this. You got to check it out. The can's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just watched the new trailer for, uh, for Spider-Man today. So. Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I'm a little, I'm confused, but not for this podcast. Okay, um, <laughs> dude, I'm so excited for you and where you're going. So much, I, I I, love, you know, my word for this is like so much runway and like stretch for you guys. Um, share with our audience, so two or three of the biggest lessons learned you've had. I mean, you, you've just gotten off the ground, but man, a big time with a big studio and and you got presents already in retail, but, you know, you've had some lessons learned along the way. What would be two or three pieces advice you'd you'd offer to our audience
2: yeah i think the biggest one this is a bit more macro perhaps more philosophical but i think there's some tactical stuff to it too which is kind of note your why for existing um i feel like i don't know like unfortunately and i'm not going to call any names out or anything but i do feel like the food and beverage industry is unfortunately relatively rife with a lot of brands that if they want to weigh tomorrow like no one would really know and understand it. you know, we're <laughs> consumer brands, like in general, like who needs anything, um, right. but there are a lot of copycat brands out there and just like, you know, it, it, it just makes it more than anything. It makes it hard to launch sure. scale and stay in business and in an industry like food and Bev, which is inherently actually quite difficult <laughs> to scale, um, having a real why and developing and being able to develop a community around that. Why I think just makes the journey easier um and so yeah I, I, that's a bit more of like a attack I think a lot of people will say it like that, that kind of thing but like for me it's just like a tactical thing where it's like it actually makes growing the brand a little bit it, it's not it's not easy but it makes it a little bit easier um, when folks can see your brand and packaging or, or core value and just identify like a use case like a very specific use case for it in their lives um so to me that's like the number one thing and the other one I guess the second one this one I learned, um, one the hard way, but I think for the most part, uh, one the hard, like for one case of this, the hard way, but for the most part, fortunately, the um, easy way is kind of be mindful of who you get into business with. Um, you know, we did have the several relationship with a partner about six months ago and it ended on very non amicable terms. Fortunately, you know, we had no real business impact. We were able to very quickly move on from it. And, um, you know, there's no impact on like our, um, on our on our cap table or on our underlying business, but uh, it's actually kind of interesting how much mind space a bad business relationship can take. Totally. And so it's actually over the last six months, like moving on from that, oh my gosh, like the way so our hard. business is propelled since then has been amazing. Um it's like during a, it's that like time of weight,
1: like, right? Negativity, it it's just things time suck anyway.
2: Yeah. And so, I guess a corollary of that is, um, I guess, like kindness and empathy in this in, in in whatever industry that you're in. Like, I do believe in good karma. You know, treating folks the way you want to be treated, it may not pay off in the short term, but in the medium and long terms, um, you know, we're we're seeing we're seeing that.
1: And totally. so, that's so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. That's great advice. Wow. Um, so fun. I mean, I, it's been so great meeting you. I, I can't wait to stay in touch and see uh, where you guys go and um, look forward to having you back on down the road. Before we go, though, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy your product, etc.
2: Sure. So you can connect with us on all socials, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, at Drink That's Drink S-A-N-Z as in zebra O. And as far as where to find us, uh, you know, drink If you want to purchase it directly, drinksanzo.com, Amazon, most other now e-commerce marketplaces like a Thrive Market or Fresh Direct. If you're in the tri-state area, uh, or if you're in the northeast uh, area of the country the state of California and increasingly so the Pacific Northwest. um, That is where we have key points of distribution.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, hey, listen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and I hope you come on back on down the road. And uh, like I said, super excited for you and hope we'll stay in touch.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands.